and uh, a lot of different people. My mother-in-law calls somebody different when they're either ugly or she calls them interesting. She'd never say a bad word in her life, so she calls them either different or interesting. I don't mean it in that way. I mean different in all sorts of varied backgrounds and cultures and churches and all sorts of different states. It's exciting. It's challenging. Sometimes it's uh, emotional. And uh, often in the middle of our times meeting together, I get to see as we pray and as we focus in on Jesus, get to see him come. And that is the highlight to any time that I wind up meeting with people is getting to see Jesus come and just meet with us. Never, ever, ever get tired of that. Often because it's something that I'm discovering myself, I'll bring up the topic of hearing from God. And it's an area of particular interest to me, so I'll bring it up and I'll ask people, do you hear from God? I met with a guy who's a pastor, he's got his M's and divs and all this kind of stuff, and I asked him, in all of your schooling, have you ever been taught how to hear from God? And he said, no. I said, do you hear from God? And he said, I don't know. I thought that's fascinating. You're a pastor, you've got all your degrees, and nobody's ever taught you how to hear from God. He studies the word, but how do you hear from God? There's a bit of a distinction that I want to make today. So the common replies that I get to hear are the following. Do you hear from God? Well, I don't know if I do. Or am I supposed to hear from him? Or the third thing is, flat out, I just don't hear from God. So the question I ask myself is, I'm really down to earth. I'm practical, like just, okay, if you don't hear from God, why? Why don't we hear from God? Aren't we supposed to? Like if we have a personal relationship with Jesus, shouldn't we have an ability to hear and communicate? So I've discovered a few things about it I want to pass on to you. One thing I've discovered is that there are some people who they actually don't have a relationship with Jesus. They are very good people. They know about him. They may have studied him. They may have gone to school. They, they're faithful. They're good citizens. Everything about them is upright, and they get the award, you know, for, for all that they do. They may have repeated a prayer or a ritual or a saying or something like that and thought that that was it, or they may have gone through some actions in church, but there's never really been that heart connection with, with Jesus. There's never really been a clear conversion, so they don't hear from him because they don't belong to him. So Romans 10 verse 9 just is a simple little verse here, and I want to kind of back a lot of this up with little bits of scripture. It says, with the mouth we confess, but it's in the heart we believe. So you can confess, but it's different than when the heart believes the two together, how it brings about a real conversion. John 6:44 says the following, he says, the Father draws us. And I confess, I have uh, many times I've, I've seen and been part of, when I was a teenager, I was diligent and I was zealous and I would go around taking religious surveys and the whole goal at the bottom line was to ask the question if you were to stand before Jesus right now and he says to you why would I let you in you would reply to the answer I don't know why and I would lead you into the sinner's prayer it was a great sales pitch but it wasn't necessarily the father drawing you it was me selling you something I apologize for things like that. The Father draws us. There has to be real conversion. There has to be real repentance, not just a head knowledge, but the heart acknowledging as well. The second reason that we don't hear from God, and it's a very, very common one with people that do have a relationship with Jesus, is that we're just too busy. We're busy serving. We're busy doing. We're go, go, go in our society. It's amazing that there's never been a society with more free time and a society that is so locked up without time to ever be still. 
I will always be amazed by people that cannot leave their phones alone. Now, some of you are now like, okay, I'm putting it down. I don't mean it that way. Oh, t oh, no, take notes. That's wonderful. That's no problem. Oh, yeah, by the way, take notes. These are really cool. This is my style. You can, you can take sermon notes with this cool little clipboard that's over here, and that would keep me absolutely alert. So if you need an alertness key, this is a great way of keeping notes. Thank you for reminding me that. I was supposed to say it earlier. But we are constantly wanting to be distracted. And the question I again ask is why? Why are we afraid of stillness? Why are we afraid of silence? Why are we afraid to face whatever on earth is going on inside of here? Why are we always filling ourselves with busyness? What's it like just to be? We are created to be human beings. Most of us excel at human doing. But what's it like just to be? What's it like to be with Jesus? What's it like to even consider the idea of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus while Martha's busy around freaking out because we have all of this to do and Mary's just sitting there looking at Jesus. There are things to do. I know. But there's also times just to sit and be still. We can't hear when we're distracted by every other sound and every other noise. And the third reason is that a lot of us have never been taught that it's even possible to hear from God. About three weeks ago, I had the opportunity of spending five days with five charities at the Cove in Westport. Now, to be really honest, when somebody invites me to go and spend five days at the Cove in Westport in this time of the year, I want to tell you, to be honest, I don't pray. I, I don't ask the Lord if it's right or not. I tell him it's right. And I'm so thankful I get invited to go. I'm, I'm kidding there just a little bit, but maybe not too much. I really didn't pray. It was like, no, 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 sign me up. Five days at the Cove in Westport. Room, yeah, I can, I, can, I can like this. Linda was joining me for one of the nights. And there's five charities. And my role was to be like an intern, to sit and listen while this man by the name of Larry Green, who does this, he worked for Coke. He was an exec. He does facilitating, but he also listens to God. He was invited to come and meet with these five charities. It was sponsored by a man who wanted to help these charities to help them get direction from God. So overall, there was over 40-some-odd people that came through those five days. Fascinating. Each group would arrive at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, translate that around 12.30 in the afternoon. They'd have lunch together. It's like, wow. And then they would leave at about 11.45 the next morning. The next group would arrive around 12.30 the next morning. So we had about 45 minutes turnaround time uh, to get ready for another group coming in. It was absolutely fascinating because every group came in, went through the same exercise five times. Same sheets of paper, same exercise. I got to watch it. My job was, I was writing down what they heard and what we did, and I wrote it down, and I learned by writing and listening, so it was just my sweet spot. But I found it really interesting that uh, what we asked them to do was this. They got to know each other in the afternoon. Now, these are driven people. These are board executives. These are the top people in the organizations. And they were there for an objective. We have this strategy we need to accomplish. Yes, you do. So how did we start off with this? Well, we started off by, Doug, how do you see Jesus in James? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We have objectives here. <laughs> like, can we get through this part? And you just see these guys just dying because... We're not here to talk about seeing Jesus in James or Angie. We're here to get objectives done for our ministry. And we only have 22 hours together. Let's go. 
so let's talk about seeing Jesus. And the whole session just started by getting our focus off what we thought was important and getting it on to Jesus being with us. At night, each five groups were told to go out and ask Jesus some specific questions about their ministry. Listen, ask him, and write down what he gives you to say. Then they'd come back. We'd share, write it out. And sometimes they'd be writing out thinking, this is just like a story. And I can hear them sharing, and it was like God writing their story. Only they had maybe eight or ten of them all heard differently, and he's all speaking to them separately, but it all created one story. Many things I could say about that period of time, but it was really pivotal in me being confirmed how different it is when you get a group together. There's one group, and they said, for three and a half years, we struggled with direction, 22 hours of being with Jesus, and we now know exactly where we should go. Wow, have we wasted a lot of time because we didn't ask and listen. But there was another group, and confidence is here. I can't say anything about it, but it was intriguing to me because this was a, a board and the staff that said, we don't hear from God. Like, we really don't know what you're talking about. But interestingly enough, that everybody of all 40-some-odd that went at night to journal what God was saying, every single person heard from God very clearly. I found that fascinating. Even those that said, I don't know how to hear from God, we prayed and asked that they would just be able to listen, and they got a, a, a um, direction from God. But there was one group that three of them went, uh, well, we stayed overnight, and the whole idea of staying overnight is in the stillness of the night, often we hear. We don't know we hear, but in the stillness of the night, we often hear. And there was three of them in this one group of people that had specific dreams. And they were weird dreams. I mean, they were so like, oh my goodness, I'm not sharing this one. But they were invited to share it. Like, did you dream anything last night? Just, just a by-the-way thing. The other groups didn't, but this one group had a dream. And one guy, he's a pastor, and he said, man, you won't believe the dream I had. And it was like, wow. And another guy who's a business accountant, tons of money, you know, real driven kind of guy. And he said, I had the craziest dream last night, but it relates to your dream. And a third guy said, I had a dream as well, and it all fits in. So as I'm writing on the board what they're hearing, there's three pieces of a puzzle coming together with three dreams that gave them absolute direction as to what God wanted them to do as a ministry. That's interesting to me. Three different people, three different dreams, all fit together, one, two, three, like a story that God is telling them, direction that God is telling them. That's a game changer for me. I was raised in a denomination that said, you know, if you add any of this, you're adding to the word of God. You're, you're, you're worthy of damnation and judgment, just about it. You can't hear from God. I just did. So common in these conversations, what is common that I hear? What I do hear as I meet with everybody, not this group at the Cove, but what I do hear as I meet with most people is that we have an amazing ability to hear from the enemy but not from God. And that just stops me in my tracks thinking, I belong to you. Why can I hear from him, but not you? Or why can I hear much more clearly from him and not you? Sometimes they don't realize it. Often they don't realize it. I remember one time, just to give you an example of that, one time Linda was away. We have an ensuite washroom. I was walking by the, by the uh, television in our, in our bedroom to go into the washroom. And I heard this very clear thought. It was a quarter to eight at night. I heard this very clear thought, turn on the TV. So I 
turned on the TV, went to the washroom, came out, and there's a full-on sex scene going on, CTV news. We don't have the porn channel, nothing. And that's the first time in my life I recognized, where did that voice come from? That was not God. That was not me. Who was that? And it woke me up to say, there is an enemy, and I don't understand, and I don't begin to understand how he can speak that to me, but I heard him. I knew what that voice was. So I asked, and I would ask you, what's wrong with the picture here? Why can we hear this way so clearly and not so well this way? So I turned to the source that everybody turns to, Google. I thought you were going to say the Bible, right? No, I turned to Google. I'm the reason why Salem went out of business. <laughs> like, why would I use a book when I can use Google? Like, let me just look at this. And so I looked it up, and I Googled Satan's lies versus God's truth. First hit that came up. Absolutely the first one. Loved it. Now, it may not be the same today, but I promise you it was yesterday. It was a blog, and it said, Sanctify me, Lord. And I thought, oh, I like this one. I like this one. And it was a blog posted in response to the many lies this woman had believed about herself from the enemy. And she instead writes this truth. She said, I was formed by God's hand, dreamed up in his heart, and placed here for a purpose. Truth spoken against the lies she had believed. I went on to read some, and oh my goodness, some of this stuff on the internet is really like, wow. Like, what I'm teaching is damnation. It shouldn't be this. The NIV Bible is part of the New World Order. It's like, oh, spare me some of this stuff. Let's get back to Jesus. So I go on and I come across an author, Julie Verwerdy, who I don't know who she is, but I see Franklin Graham and all these people recommend her, so I think she sounds good. Her books look good. I don't like to read, so I obviously would never read her book. And the, it said, and she had a couple quotes. I love quotes. Just give me the highlights. Don't make me read all that stuff. Just give me the highlights of what you're writing in your book, and I like that. So she says this, two highlights. The hardest person to deceive is the person who loves truth more than they are afraid of their own pain going to read that again because it took me a second to get my head around it. The hardest person to deceive is the person who loves truth more than they are afraid of their own pain. She also goes on to say this, the only power Satan has over the lives of believers is the lies he can get them to believe. What lies? What would he actually say that you find believable? This morning, just as I'm coming into church here, I get a text from a guy I do ministry with, a lot of ministry with, and he said, I just want to let you know that I'm sitting outside my church right now. I can't go in. I can't fake it anymore. I just can't go on. I'm just sitting out here saying, it's hopeless. I want to give up. I do ministry with this guy. He's a strong believer, but the enemy's got him. My reply back, what agreement have you made? Go and ask Jesus to show you and break it. It's so real. We are in a war. Common lies, and there's so many of them, common lies, is God is holding something back from me. From me. That's what Eve said. There's got to be. God's holding that back from me. I want that. Or God is fearful. He's not a loving God. That was my fear growing up, is that God was like, whoa, he's going to zap me. I mean, I got saved a thousand and twenty times because I was so afraid that my sin kept me from being saved that time, and even though we believed in eternal security, it wasn't working for me. I was the exception to all this because God was to be feared, not loved. Or God is just like my dad. He's just never around, or he's abusive, or whatever my father was like. I picture God to be that way, or that God is not going to want um, 
what I, he's going to ask me to give up something I don't want to give up. I want to promise you, if God asks you to give up something, by the time he asks you to give it up, you're more than willing to give it up. One of the greatest joys I had was giving up a store. That was my only identity. When God asked me to give it up, I found the greatest freedom in giving it up. Absolutely greatest freedom. I don't lament it at all. I'm just very grateful. We also think the lies that God is angry. He's disappointed in me. I've failed him. He doesn't care about me, really. God has abandoned me. He's failed me. And I, the major lie I hear all the time is I just can't stop being this way. I'm, I'm, I'm just this way. Everyone does it. Why not? I, I just want to fit in. Or God would um, have done something about it, but he didn't. So I'm mad at God because he didn't do anything about it. Or I'm covered in shame like Adam and Eve, and I need to hide from God. I'm not worth being found. I'm hiding because I'm so shame-filled. Other lies are that I'm in control, and I don't need him, or that I have it all. I'm a self-made man. So Satan is a source of lies. His name is actually the, the liar. See, these are some of his names. He's deceiver, the prince of darkness, accuser, the devil, prince of the power of the air, the god of this age. These are straight out of scriptures. He comes like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. He's powerful. He's proud. He's arrogant. He hates you. He absolutely hates everything about you. He hates you and is set out to destroy you. He brought sin into this world, not God. So many people blame God. Satan brought sin into the world, not God. We chose his way, not God's. He brought sin into this world, and sin defined is this. It's a willingness to accept Satan's lies instead of truth. I want to read you some scriptures. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says, Don't let Satan outsmart you. Be aware of his schemes. James 4 verse 7 says, So submit. Humble yourself to God. Come to God. Humble yourself to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Three or four weeks ago, I, was, I volunteered on Tuesday afternoons just for about a half hour, 45 minutes with some guys at Jericho Road, a recovery place. And about three weeks ago, I was set to do a lesson. I'm working through a book called Wild at Heart, but I just felt so prompted to do one, Psalm 139 and talk about how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. And the Lord gave me an idea, break it up into little pieces and have each guy read a section of that passage and have them share what that passage means to them. And I was like, wow, that's creative. I liked it. And okay, we'll try something different. So we sit around a big table, we have food together, and we're cut up these little pieces of paper, and it would be like, okay, you read your passage, you read your passage, you know, tell me, what does that mean to you? And one of the guys that read a passage, he was stunned by what he read because God was speaking directly to him through that passage of scripture. We had planned weeks in advance to go for a walk that day through the experimental farm, the, the houses down on Career R near, near on Fisher. And so we went for a walk through the experimental farm, and he said to me, he said, I can't believe that message. I can't believe what you did. That was just for me. That scripture was just for me. I was ready to leave today and go and drink and drink and drink until I could kill myself and end my life. God intervened. Isn't that an amazing story? But I found out last Tuesday, he went and left. The fight was too hard for him. He believed the lie, and he is off in the streets again. I don't know if he'll live or not. Some of these guys, I, they do die. Their body can literally not take the abuse. And young, this guy's 30 years old, maybe 28 years old. No hope, 
So I'm just going to drink until I die. And it might not be long. But I watch God intervene, and I watch Satan steal those words and convince this guy there's no hope. Satan lies. God speaks truth. On the truth side, Jesus comes along and very clearly says this statement. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. Jesus clearly says, I am the truth and I am the life. The truth is the opposite of the liar. John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep hear my voice. They recognize me. They hear me. They follow me. Where I go, they follow after me. They hear my voice. John 16, verse 13 says, God's spirit will guide us into all truth. God's spirit guides into all truth. Whatever he hears, the spirit hears, he will speak and declare to me, to us, to you. Whatever the spirit hears, he will speak and declare to each one of us the things that are to come. It goes on to say in verses 14 and 15, the spirit will tell you what he receives from God. That is direct communication. The Spirit will tell you what he receives from God. In 1 John 1 verse 3, it says we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with the Father. Fellowship is not just stark distance. It's intimacy. It's communion. It's oneness. It has to involve communication. Jesus, 15 times in the New Testament, says, Let him who has ears hear. Let him, him who has ears hear. Let him who has ears hear. So I want to ask... The other question is, how do we hear from God? Well, the number one source is Scripture. We hear from God through Scripture. But I have a little key to that. Some of us do devotions, and we do our devotions, and we check it off, and we say our prayers, and we check it off, and we begin our day. And when I was growing up, I was told that if you don't do your devotions, you're going to have a lousy day, as if it's some sort of mystical way that you can start your day, and it's going to start off right. Sometimes my days were lousy, and I'd done my devotions. But here's what's changing me, is instead of just doing my devotions, I ask God to reveal his word to me. Reveal what you want to say to me through your word. Other ways that we hear God is through that still, small voice, through contemplation, through meditation, not weird meditation, just being still, thinking about what he's done, thinking about him, through the quiet whisper of his voice to us. We hear God through feeling, through sensing, through desires we may have. All of a sudden we feel like, or we sense, I'm supposed to go and do this. And we go ahead and do it and think, wow, that was God. And we sense. We feel and, and we know through our emotions. We just respond to something. A lot of guys cry in movies. They, they muffle it. They hide it. But all of a sudden something hits them. And, and most of us guys are a little slow to figure out. But all of a sudden we're crying. And it's like, why did I cry in that part? That's often a little trigger that says, I'm getting your attention any way I can. There's something I want to show you through your emotions. We learn through books. We hear his voice through books, through teachings, through messages, through other people just coming up and saying, hey, I just have been praying for you, and this is what I sense God is saying to you. Through dreams, visions, prophetic words, through revelations. It's endless, endless, endless the way gods can speak. Micah 6 verse 8 is a, my favorite verses. My son asked me which is my favorite kid, my favorite grandkid, and he now has two, so he doesn't know what to do because I can't have just one favorite. I tell him all nine are favorites as far as I'm concerned. But I have lots of verses that are favorites. So for right now, this is my favorite for today. It's he has shown you, O oh man, Micah 6, 8. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. 
So what keeps us from hearing God's voice? Some of them is just simple unbelief. Some of it's teachings that say you can't hear God's voice and nobody's given us permission to, to hear. Ask. Let God prove it to you. What keeps us from hearing God's voice? Mostly distractions, noise, TV, anything. Anything. Most of us have never been taught how to be still or even that we could hear if we were still. Sometimes we don't wait after we pray. I was very aware of how often I pray. Lord, I ask you to do this in Jesus' name, amen, and I walk right on, and it's like, Phew. and I just hope that somehow my little prayer missile is fired off into heaven, and that somehow he's grabbed it and is going to do something about it, but I'm really not very good in the past about sitting there and just waiting and listening. Sometimes we're uncomfortable with God. We have a distorted idea of him, and we're very uncomfortable, and we just don't want to be with him. Usually it deals with shame. That seems to be the most common thing. And a huge area we don't hear from God is because of unforgiveness. It is a huge blockage. It's a huge blockage. If we don't forgive somebody, we can be really blocking our whole communication with God. It can be pride, independence, vows we've made. God can't do that. Really? Renounce some of these things because they hold us back. So me, I just want to share with you a little of my testimony in this area, and then we'll be done. I'm learning step by step how to do this. I'm appreciative of that time at the Cove where I got to sit in and just listen and hear groups of different people hear from God and thought, wow. At first when I heard what we were going to do, I thought, oh my goodness, this guy can take off and go back down to Atlanta where he lives. I'm stuck here. And if this goes south, I'm stuck here with all these people because I know almost everyone there and we're asking you to go out and listen to Jesus and write it out. Like, oh. And then the first group that came back and they all heard is like, whoa, that went well. And then when everybody heard is like, it's kind of fun, isn't it? And it is. So I'm learning step by step. First time I went out to a retreat center nearby here called Bethesda, it's not far from where we live. I went and I went to this little hut and I found myself determined to go and spend two days alone with God and I opened the door of the hut and I, I really heard this fear overwhelm me that said, what if I'm here and he doesn't say anything? That'll be the ultimate rejection because I've always struggled with rejection so here I am making this time to go and be alone with God and hello, <laughs> are, are you anywhere in this room? Like this two days alone with me will drive me nuts, I need to be with you. And as soon as I opened the door, it was like Jesus just met me right there. And I spent not two full days, but a day and a half just listening and learning and contemplating. And I found that every time, every single time I make the decision just to go off and be still, every single time God meets me and, and, and speaks to me. There are retreats, there are silent retreats. I went on a silent retreat where I had to be quiet and, and not say anything, not even pray and just listen. That was a huge experience. I didn't even know you could do that. I, I learned from listening. I learned about listening through teachings, through small groups. There's a group of about two different groups of about 20 men. We're meeting all together and we're journeying through listening to God together. And we just started it at one way and at uh, another church. Uh, and it's a group of men and we're just actually practicing hearing from God in our lives. And it's absolutely profound. It's amazing. One of the books that I brought that's the course of it is um, called Hearing God. It's just a simple book on how to hear God, scriptural basis for it. The other thing I'm learning is to practice quietness. 
I hear God mostly when I'm outdoors. That's my sweet spot. I just need to go and be alone, and I hear God when I do that. I'm drawn to the word. I specifically ask him, Lord, show me what you want to show me. Lead me in that way. But I want to tell you a story because I love stories. And, you know, I mean, I meet, I meet with these really, some really, really wise people. And sometimes I just feel like, oh, who am I to stand up and teach anybody? Because some of them will say things and it's like, you don't know what you're actually saying to me. Because they would refer to a message like this as like bubblegum or soda pop. It's just so bubbly. There's nothing to it. And it's like, oh, come on, that's deep for me. You know, I quoted like a bunch of scriptures, but unless you get into the deep contextualization of the Greek and how it formulates, which I really, I'm, I'm amazed that they can take their brains there. My brain doesn't go there. My brain tries to read the Greek and think, yeah, I can't get this. So you're just going to get a practical Doug day-to-day -day example. And I love the variety of teachings that there are. So you get the simple 101 Doug yesterday story. We had a crazy week on Thanksgiving. We had my wife's parents who are from California and my daughter from down east with her husband and three boys. So there was 21 of us at our house for the weekend. 21. I thank God for my new septic system. There is no longer water coming out the top. It now just all just flows where it's supposed to go. It's not going downstream toward the Patchell's house anymore. It's just all staying where it's supposed to stay. So they appreciated it as well. So we had 21 on Thanksgiving Day. Now, being that we're not together very often, we haven't been together for three years as a whole family, my daughters, and I believe my daughter-in-law was in on it, decided that we should celebrate every occasion. So we woke up in the morning to Valentine's Day. We had red-shaped hearts, bacon and ham, pink, but it worked. And we celebrated Valentine's Day together. Snack in the middle of the day was St. Patrick's Day, so everything was green. Green creed cheese, green peppers, celery, whatever green you could think of, green napkins, and we had Valentine's Day. Then we decorated Easter eggs, and we had an Easter egg hunt, and we had Easter ham sandwiches for lunch. The afternoon, being that we're American and Canadian, we had the 4th of July and Canada Day celebration with all sorts of bubbly fun things that we did in the afternoon. Well, at supper time, we had Thanksgiving dinner together, traditional Thanksgiving dinner, which coincidentally is also the same as Christmas. But not to be confused with Christmas dinner, it was Thanksgiving dinner. Because after Thanksgiving dinner, we exchanged gifts in the living room and put on Christmas music. But what follows Christmas is New Year's. So when it was dark, the little kids went outside and they lit sparklers and ran around and we celebrated New Year's. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about what that means. The oldest is 12, so it goes 12, 10, 8, they're a breeze. Then it goes 3, 2, 2, 1, 4 month, or 5 month, and 4 weeks. Babies, all together, all day, all day. Some of them staying overnight. Some of them being there the next morning. Some of them coming back again today. Some of them staying over tomorrow. It's like, well, let's go back up to 17 tomorrow night for dinner before my daughter has to leave again. It has been absolutely crazy, but fun. I love it. But crazy. Where in the middle of all that do you find stillness to go along and be with God? It's hard to even figure out when you can go to the bathroom, even though we have two of them. That's a lot of people. So yesterday... 
it was a gift day. I mean, I love my kids being around. My daughter's here right now. I love you, Beth. I love you all being around. But yesterday, there was nobody. I don't know where Linda is, but she didn't even get out of her pajamas. It was just wonderful. I went to the gym and didn't even change my clothes all day. I stunk all day, but it didn't matter. I sprayed myself with Old Spice, felt okay. <laughs> took a shower this morning and started the day all over again. But in the middle of my yesterday, I have a garage that is a collection of stuff from weekends that we host. It is just an amazing assortment. And I have a weekend coming up, this Band of Brothers weekend, and normally I have a couple guys helping me. This is the first time we've done it in the fall. So I'm actually the guy in charge of a lot of stuff. Well, I found everything I'm looking for, but we have these posters that I cannot find. I had them two weeks ago when I was down in Muskoka at a Band of Brothers weekend. I can't find them anywhere. I went through the garage. I spent probably an hour and a half in the garage. I was moving bins. I was putting stuff away. So I went back outside, and I just started working in my yard. It was a beautiful afternoon, and I had the quietness of all that, and I'm working in the yard. And as I'm walking out of the garage door, I just said, Jesus, I don't have a clue where those posters are. I need them for Thursday. I don't have a clue where they are. And I really sensed the Holy Spirit to say to me, I'm going to use this as an example for you tomorrow. Okay. I can't wait to hear, Jesus, what you're going to do. How are you going to show me where those posters are? How are you going to lead me? How am I going to hear you? So I went outside, did a little bit of work. I walked back in the garage door, and right in front of me, literally right in front of me, were the posters. I stopped. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting direction where they were. I was not expecting to see them. They were probably that far away from me when I walked through the garage door. What do you immediately think when you hear that story? I believe that God opened my eyes to either see them or he put them there somehow because they were not there when I went outside. I promise you that. They were not there. I walked in and they were right there. Nobody came by and snuck in. I was working outside in my front lawn. My hearing is really good. I would have heard somebody driving up my driveway. Now I am 60. So some of you might think, that's how the mind starts to go. <laughs> Rebuke that one in the name of Jesus. <laughs> or it's coincidence. I asked. I listened. He answered and once again proved his nearness and his care. What do you believe? I'll leave that with you. There's so much more about hearing from God, walking with him, hearing his voice, following him. I encourage you to take the next step, wherever you are in your journey. Recognize what you believe, what you doubt, what you're not sure of. And ask God to open your eyes and your ears to see and hear all that he has for you and for me. I know we're doing a theme on the greatest adventure, and I want to tell you that when you walk with Jesus, it is the greatest adventure you could ever imagine. Father, thank you that you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear. We know your voice, and we follow you because of Jesus.
I pray that today what you've spoken will not be lost in the busyness or in any confusion that we face leaving this place, but what you've planted in our hearts will bear much fruit for you and for your kingdom as we walk with you through this crazy world we live in. We walk in the stillness and joy of being with you. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.